So I'm walking down the street in Florida and I hear this. Actually, that's from the interview you're about to hear, but it's the same guy, it's Gustav. I saw him playing on the street, Gustav Viemeyer, and he's on the show, thrilled to have him. And he's gonna play a bunch of stuff for you. And we couldn't do it without Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com, both great places for you to dive into the world of guitar. Guitar Player, play better, sound better. Let's start the show. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get right back to that killer plane from Gustav Wiemeyer in just a moment. Let me just say, I'm Jude Gold. Thanks for listening to No Guitar Is Safe, the guitar show where guitar heroes plug in. Yeah, it's episode 147, and a thrill to have a guitar hero on the rise, Gustav Wiemeyer, here on the show. And let me tell you how I ran into him, because I ran, I ran into him on the street in Sarasota, Florida. Well, here's the backstory. Luckily, I've been playing a lot with the band, Jefferson Starship, and uh, very thankful for that, you know, how crazy the world is and with lots of shows being canceled. But we've been playing all over the place. We played Sarasota, Florida on New Year's Eve, and then New Year's Day, we had the day off between shows. And so my girlfriend and I, we went over to Lido Beach, which is on the key right next to Sarasota. And, you know, White Sand Beach, it's January 1st, the middle of winter and you're swimming in the ocean for 45 minutes and fish are jumping very cool well then we walk over to the center of town where all the shops and restaurants are and the cars and lots of tourists walking around and but then i hear something my ears that was my little uh steve austin reference for you other generation xers hey i'm a young generation x but this kid must be generation z maybe he's a millennial he's 26 I find out his name is Gustav, Gustav the guitarist, Gustav Wiemeyer. He's just blazing, man, playing all these wonderful lines. The guitar neck doesn't look like a bunch of different positions to him. It just looks like the whole fretboard is just one position, and wherever he puts his hands, great notes come out. And he's got a great groove, and he's playing swing lines and Django lines, gypsy jazz lines. But he's also kind of, well, he's having fun, too. I remember he's playing like Star Wars references and dropping a little Mario Brothers in there. Just having a good time. And it sounds really good. It's funny, I used to busk a lot too with my friend Trevor Thompson at the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica. There you had to get a permit for the assigned time slot that you got. And then you show up and then you kind of jockey for one of the better positions. And uh, and there's no electricity when we were playing there. Maybe there is now. But it was kind of sketchy because we had a full PA system with like two powered Mackies. You know those big Mackies? PA speakers. And so we're like running the whole thing off of a, a car battery that we hope is grounded right. Oh, that always seems sketchy to me. So luckily for Gustav, they got electricity built into the little circle there with the benches. So he's all plugged in. He's got his Boss Looper and his Boss Katana amp, and he's just crushing it. I just kept in touch with him, gave him a couple dollars on Gustav, the guitarist on Venmo, and then, yeah, had to have him on the show. So this show is actually done over FaceTime. 
But there's always an adventure to recording this. I want you to know the audio story. The audio story is that you're not here in the Zoom. You're hearing him. He recorded it with two mics, which is great. So the guitar sounds really full when he's performing. Stereo, I've dropped it down to mono for you while he's talking. But, you know, there's always an adventure. He's a young guy. I think he's in a house with like, it's like a Sunday morning after they all did gigs the night before. And they're having their breakfast at the crack of noon. And um, so you will hear a little background noise, which is great. It reminds me of my time. When I was his age, I had a house with roommates and just finished college. We had a drum set in the living room and parties that annoyed neighbors endlessly, but they sure were fun. I remember maybe 10% of those parties. They all blur together, but it was great. So anyway, you might hear some background noise. At one point, there's a, might be a little phone hum. I don't know if you notice, sometimes you put a phone near an amplifier, you might hear a little, little buzz for a second. But, you know, this is what we do. We adventure and we... Uh, get the audio any way we can and bring it to you. So I'm psyched to have Gustav on. He's already done a lot in his life. He's uh, He's had jobs. He used to be an organic vegetable farmer, I believe, and he played in some kind of circus with another guitarist. They did a gypsy duo where they would run around and get the crowd all excited while they played cool-ass gypsy jazz tunes. So without further ado, just remember to check out Guitar Player Magazine and guitarplayer.com. Really appreciate their support since 2004. 15, my number one supporter. Let's rev up the copter, so to speak, and head over to Sarasota, Florida.
Gustav V. Meyer, welcome to No Guitar is Safe, the guitar show where guitar heroes plug in, <laughs> and you are my new guitar hero. Oh, thanks, man. I stumbled on you walking down the street, and here you are playing your tail off. <laughs> now, not only are you playing these blazing runs, but I noticed you have some really nice dynamics, kind of like a phrasing, like in the middle of a very long run, you kind of also will go from loud to soft, almost like a sax player. Oh, thanks. Um, do you have, have you been working on that lately? or? Um. Have you, are you conscious of that, or do you take inspiration from any players that have that sort of dynamic? I think it. Um, I think for me that developed just more over time. You know, like when I when I first learned, I learned like a lot of um, a lot of information and how to play like really fast, and I learned that to do that really fast. So, but then, um, so I had like all this stuff, and it always kind of sounded like I was racing probably for the first few years. But I think just um, playing with bands and with a lot of different people uh, for the last. I don't know, maybe like five years or so has really just kind of helped me smooth it out, calm down, listen more, and uh, just kind of relax when I'm playing as opposed to like feel maybe, I guess for lack of a better term, like that need to show off or just maybe anxious about what people are going to think or things of that nature, you know? Right. You're enjoying it more and more. Now, what was that piece you just played? Was that a Django yeah, thing? Yeah, that was written by Django Reinhardt. That was um, Du Sambiance, which I think, if I, if I get it wrong, I'm sorry, but it's a, I think it means um, peaceful environment. What would your advice be for someone who wants to go through the front door of learning Django style? Where do you even start? It's such a great guitar style, and there's the rhythm side, and there's the, the lead side. Where, where, do you, where do we start? Um, I think probably the most important thing would be to pick, pick a tune that you, you enjoy, you know, in, in that style. Like, I, I always would recommend something like, um, there's this old Russian song that became kind of a gypsy jazz standard called uh, Dark Eyes or Ochi Chornia. And um, it's very simple chords, and it's uh, it has like a really cool lick to it, and I think that's like a good good place to start because it gives you that uh, innate gypsy uh, feeling to it, you know. And um, I don't maybe you could play that for us. Oh yeah. But um, before you start, tell us about which uh, looping device you're using. I'm using the um, Boss RC505, which is uh, it's normally and like uh, a a lot of people use it who are um, DJs, but I. But I, I got it some years ago, and because uh, a friend of mine had it, and we we had so much fun with it. Whenever um, whenever I was over there jamming with him, I was like, "Oh, I need to get one of these. They're like really amazing." I I tell everybody to get one. Or are there some features about it that you like that other loopers don't have? Um, yeah, it's got like it's got a uh, five individual channels that you can you know turn on and off as you please, and you can layer like as many loops or not not really as many but probably more than anybody would ever use on each individual one um it's a really good interface as well which is a lot of reason i got it i can plug like condensers into it and uh instruments um and it's got a, a lot of fx on it too so i've been i've been using it pretty much all my gigs yeah. for uh, probably last like three years yeah it was incredible to walk up to you i, I thought i heard a band playing like a little ensemble because oh, yeah, yeah. there's so much energy you know, and then I walk up and it's just you. So yeah, let's let's hear uh, Dark Eyes as you were mentioning.
<laughs> and you play like an old soul. Uh, you've made claims that you're 26 years old, but it, you, it's, it's hard to believe you, how you develop so fast. How did you learn so much information at what I consider to be a very young age? Um, I listened to a lot of, um, a lot of really good players. And I'd, I, uh, I'd take like, I mean, when I was a teenager, I'd, I'd play for like six, maybe six hours every day. And uh, I'd like pick a pick a song, and I'd um, I kind of came up with like a system too. Like I'd maybe learn five seconds at a time, and just get like five seconds down. I'd like pause, rewind, pause, rewind, pause, rewind, just um, constantly until I'd get these um, kind of just these like these gypsy jazz guitar solos down. You know, I was I was listening to a lot of um, Birelli Legrand and Stockola Rosenberg and uh, Angelo Debar. I think those three were probably probably my biggest influences, you know, at that time. And, uh, and then of course, Django Reinhardt as well, you know? Um, but listening to all those guys, I always said, that's, that's what I want to play. Like, I got to like figure out how to do that. And, um, just having, I think having like the internet and YouTube and things like that has helped a lot. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, so readily accessible that if, if you want to take the time to do it, it's, it's, it's right there waiting for you, you know? Now, obviously it's tempting for, uh, people nowadays, like everything's on YouTube, but are there any pitfalls to YouTube? Uh, yeah. You mentioned a couple before. Yeah. The last time we were talking, I was, um, we, you know, there's a, uh, there's definitely a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, just, um, false information on YouTube, especially in the music realm. Like, uh, so what I've noticed is a lot of people will, you know, learn something maybe kind of in a mediocre kind of way and then go ahead and, and post it. Uh, especially in this style, because, you know, it, it's a fun thing to play. So like when you, when you learn something, I feel like people get excited and they want to share it. But, um, I think it's, uh, important to find like good teachers who can teach you like little nuances that are maybe more helpful and authentic than, than just what somebody might randomly post. So I, I feel like maybe for like every 10 videos, there's maybe one that would teach in, in this style, at least like teach you something good, you know? Yeah. Do you want to play something from your record now? I know you have this great album and it seems like it's a Django guitar, like an acoustic guitar. It's on Spotify is where I've been listening to it. Oh, it's just you. under your name, like self-titled debut, I guess you would say. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And I know you have a lot of originals or I don't know. Yeah. What are you going to play? Um, I'll do a little bit of, um, the story of the sun.
That's phenomenal. That is such great playing. Did you just go and then like hit a harmonic at the very oh, end? Was, um, like I hit the, all the harmonics oh, off, off the fifth fret, <laughs> but then like I was stretched yeah. it like between the bridge and the tailpiece to kind of get a like a little vibrato thing. And what preceded that? Was there something? Because it's hard to tell over the Zoom call audio. Um, I know, obviously, what we're hearing in the, oh, in the show like, is not Zoom. The, this part? I thought you... There's the... There's the it was like a B7 with a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Like a, I, thought I, I thought I heard you do a run up to it, like a... I thought I heard you do a... Oh. <laughs> but maybe that was... There's uh, some point in there, definitely. <laughs> Oh, oh, I know what wow. you're talking about now is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have a good feather touch with that pick, and um, I'm not always one of these people who's like, what kind of pick do you use, man? But in this style, I think it's a pretty important question. What? Tell us uh, what pick you have, and uh, also... About any, do you use any kind of economy picking? I see sometimes even in the middle of your runs, you do like economy where you do downstrokes connect to them. I'm using a, let's see, a Dunlop uh, two millimeter. And I like the, um, I use a, the Gator Grip ones. I like the, uh, they also have the, the Turtle Show one, the, but uh, I, I like these. They got a, like a nice, yeah. a nice grip to them. And they're kind of like soft on, on the edges. But um, my general rule is like if I can bend it, I, I can't use it. So it's uh, but these these are really nice. Right. And they're they're shaped like a like a normal pick, you know. They're not like um, like the jazz threes, how they're or jazz twos, how they're like really small, like teardrop things. Like I like that right. it's a normal shape, but it's um, still has that like thickness, and I feel like you can get a lot of uh, a lot of dynamics with, with the thick picks. And then I I guess for yes. like picking technique, um, I do a a lot of rest strokes. So like every time I hit down, I do a rest stroke. And every time, or almost every time at least, that I switch strings, I, I start with a downstroke, which is, um, they do that a lot in like gypsy jazz. And then um, I noticed too, like if you if you watch like any like trace players, the uh, Cuban trace or like a oud or a shamisen, yeah. like um, it's, uh, they have like a really interesting like right hand technique, how they like arch their wrist and do lots of, lots and lots of downstrokes. Can you explain for us what a rest stroke is? Um, a rest stroke is when you, it's when you pick a, pick a string and then your pick naturally falls towards um it falls onto the next string so like if you pick down and it uh, it will hit the next one it's almost like um it's almost like the difference between like uh picking and strumming it's it's almost like strumming always so like when you strum a, a chord for instance like like you're always going like straight down and going like through the through the strings yeah. so every time you hit like it hits the next one yeah but if um, somebody, a lot of times when people pick, I've noticed they're picking and they, they pick kind of out. So this just like when you're rest stroking, you're just yeah. kind of picking in almost as if you were strumming still. Yeah. But yeah, it's always just hitting, yeah. resting on the next string. It's kind of like a boxer hitting the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> like the string kind of stops the pick. <laughs> pretty right? it's kind of pretty like much, a, yeah. Just like that. Yeah. I mean, I used to learn about those when I took some classical guitar lessons and you can do that with your fingers Oh, as yeah, well. yeah, definitely. Um, what's your... Tell us about your guitar and amp that you use. Um, right now, I'm using the the Hagstrom HL 550. It's a it's a archtop guitar with um floating like floating pickup, and then I got a a Boss Katana 100. I think it might be called the MK 100, but yeah, I've like fell fell in love with both of these like right right away. Do you have any shred influences? Like, cause you know, 
Django is kind of the shred guitar of jazz. Oh, totally. <laughs> Gypsy jazz. Did you start off playing rock and roll and maybe even go into the world of shred before you became a, more of a jazz player? Um, a, a, I mean, a you, little. you strike me as someone who could play just about anything. A little bit, yeah. When I, how did it start? See, um, yeah, when I was younger, I, I did like a lot of... Uh, I was really into bands like Sublime, and uh, I think that was like one of the main... That song Santeria, that was like one of the like turning points for me. I was like, I'm because I, I played like chords and stuff, but I wanted to you know play like some lead guitar, so I, I decided to go ahead and learn that one. And um, I was really into a lot of let's see at that time, I was into like a lot of classical music, game music, and just instrumental stuff in general. So, like, anybody who was like really skillful instrumentally, I was I was all about it. I was like, whoa, that's amazing, how do I do that? You know, and um. I got really into like Sinister Gates uh, from Adventures Don't Unfold. Like uh, one of my friends came over one day and he's like, "Dude, you gotta listen to this guy. He's, he's insane. Just watch what he's doing." And um, yeah, was there anything from him that uh, that influenced you, or a lick that you remember? Or, oh yeah, yeah. There was um, some. We did. There was a uh, from that song on Holy Confessions. The intro to it. it's just a really really cool guitar riff. It's in, uh, it's in drop D, and uh, my friend came over one day. We were, I think we were both like 14 at the time, and he's like, "Dude, I just learned this thing. You gotta learn this with me, because it's uh, it's also like a, a dual guitar harmony, kind of like the Eagles sort of thing." And then the second guitar go. Kind of reminds me of Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, actually. yeah, yes. You know all these bands yeah, are super metal. Like those guys, are definitely metal guys. Yeah. Now I know you've mentioned that big band influenced you. How did you get into like big band music? And could you just show us like a little? How does big? I mean, guitar is not always featured super prominently in big band. Obviously, we got Freddie Green rhythm and stuff. But is there a a snippet um, of big band guitar that you can show, or something totally, that totally, yeah. you put into the, in the guitar? Um, this is a this is a little riff from. Um, there's a song called Shout and Feel It by uh, the Count Basie Orchestra. And I remember, uh, I think I was like 15 or 16, I was, I started listening to a little bit of big band stuff because there was a, like a TV station that played swing music all the time. And uh, as soon as I heard that, I love, I love that. All those kind of rhythms. And then I saw this movie called Swing Kids just randomly one night. It was on TV. And it's like a, I don't remember when it was made, but it had like a young Christian Bale in it. And, um, yeah, they had this song in it, and I just fell in love with the song. I was like, whoa, that's like so happy, such good energy. And uh, it was... So it was like short and simple, like it just kind of did that on repeat. But it was um, it's yeah. really, really cool tune, though. When I walked up, you were playing All of Me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I certainly have paid, I've definitely uh, paid my dues playing jazz standards at gigs, although I don't consider myself... A jazz guitarist but did you have you learned a lot of jazz standards and stuff um at, at this point yeah yeah I've, uh, yeah done quite quite a few i got i like i like the jazz world you know there's there's always there's always something to learn you know and um i like yeah i learn i like doing the standards just because it's um it's almost like a universal thing that you can play with people like wherever you go you know if, um if you know all yeah. of me or like maybe honeysuckle rose or th- things like that it's just um or fly me to the moon even you know uh you can Meet, yeah. meet almost anybody anybody who can like just uh, play yeah. them in like any city you just go to a jazz jam or a club or something and it's, uh, it's always good you know 
like timeless classics. So are you a full-time musician? Yeah, I've been... A, How many gigs do you do a week? What kind of gigs do you do? Uh, literally every kind. Um, I've been I've been a full-timer for a few years now. I've always like had some gigs, but I had a day job for the longest time, too. But then um, and I think it was probably about three years ago. I was like... It was literally on like January 1st. I was like, all right, I'm going to be a full-time musician. If I don't do it now, it's like never going to happen. And, um, and so I went, went in and uh, never looked back. Um, but... As far as gigs, I do uh, pretty much every kind. I mean, weddings, uh, restaurants, bars, festivals, um, circuses. I uh, do a lot of busking. I do and anything that'll anything that gives me money. And busking is something that's interesting because I guess you can do pretty well at that. You know, um, do you have any tips? Like, obviously, you have your game together because you got the you got number one a great looping situation to a great sense of groove so it's totally bouncing and swinging people can feel the energy and you got your amp and guitar together but are there any other tips as far as busking that you've learned how to make more consistent money or or make um, tips or well busking is busking is an interesting game it's um i probably made most of my living as a busker for about a year a uh, year straight and um i'd say you know, it's it's kind of competitive in a lot of ways. If you find a good spot, there's always going to be like other people trying to busk. So it's it's almost like a race to get there first a lot of the time. And uh, so I think um, if you do find a good spot, you know, like always make kind of scope out the environment. Like make sure you're not too loud for like stores or people who are actually like paying to be there. Um, you know, being like kind of helping other buskers out, I think is always helpful. So like where one of the spots where I go is. Um, there's like maybe 12 different people and we always kind of like make sure we're all in good volume with each other. But how do you reel in the tips, man? I know that. You <laughs> oh man. Do you interact with your audience much or oh. just, you just, you just play your ass off and people just give you money. I gave you a couple buck, five bucks off a of Venmo, which I should tell people, I think you're a Gustav, the guitarist oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on Venmo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Throw him a dollar people. <laughs> have, oh, thanks. You have a, <laughs> you have like, I'd say, PayPal and stuff up there, or I mean, um, you, you have that listed, and while people are watching you play, they can just. Yeah, I got I got everything under uh, Gustav the guitarist. It's maybe a little cliche, but it, yeah. it seems to work. But the uh, I guess the tricks for getting tips it's it's different all the time. I mean, sometimes I'm very interactive with the audience, and then, uh, I mean, I always am at a show, but like uh, with busking, it's um, I think just feeling it out, feeling the vibe. Sometimes it's I'll just play and not really pay attention to the people because it's also kind of like boot camp you know you get thousands of people walking by who literally couldn't care about what you're doing you know so they're yep. on their way to their thing and um it kind of teaches you not to not to worry so much if people are into your thing or not you know so you just kind of get really into your own zone but then you notice like the people who do come and stay and listen they're you can tell they really appreciate it because they weren't coming to your show they were like doing their own thing and then they um took the time to stop and they're just like uh, and I've seen it with other people busking too. They're like walking in on this um, this profound moment. You know what I mean? It's like whoa, there's like music yeah. happening, and I wasn't expecting this. And it's uh, uh, I'd say doing some good like classic tunes. Um, it it helps. Like uh, I play in like this very touristy spot, so like I'll, I'll hear somebody speaking like Russian from across the street, and then I'll like quick I'll like change my song and do a Russian song real quick. Or I'll hear somebody speaking French, <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, okay, French song. And just kind of like bounce around like that. And I'll see older people, I'll play some jazz stuff. Uh, younger people, I might play some Nirvana. And uh, Is that why you played All of Me when I walked up? Like, <laughs> I'm older? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, you walked up, I was already playing it. <laughs> or at least I think so. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Um, do you want to play another thing for us? What was the first Django solo you learned or something? And Because um, that's not an easy thing to just start tackling Django. Um, yeah, the, one, of the, one of the early ones I did was... Um, he did a few few recordings. He has this, uh, one one of his like more popular songs. It's called a minor swing, and he did it with um, the Hot Club of um, France. So it was. Yeah. Um, I did the nineteen forty nine Django solo. I started learning that one. That was kind of uh, the one one that clicked for me. Or no, it was the nineteen forty seven solo. But he did like one in thirty seven, forty seven, forty nine, and fifty one. So all the Django freaks are like really. Uh, they take the time and like memorize all the solos. I just I just worked on like one or two of them, but they're um, yeah. it's a fun song though. It's very very fun. It's also it's also a great um great tune to learn if you're like you're getting getting into the style because it's it's pretty much um, it's really just a blues. So it's like a one four five one four one five. Yeah. wonderful to watch do you have any advice on tremolo picking um chords that's i'm this is a greedy question from my own i have sometimes when i'm yeah yeah i use the same size pick as you but i don't i my rule is the opposite i like it to have some flex (laughs) but sometimes i feel like i'm just i it's not that smooth like i wish i could be a little smoother when i'm going doing that okay um but you you definitely glide over the strings while you're doing this Um, I, you know, I used to dig in a lot, but then um, I was there's this one uh, guitarist. His name is uh, Olivier or Olivier Kicktief, I think is how you say it. And um, he was saying a good thing to do is kind of like 
kind of angle the pick and like almost like you're cutting the string a little bit but very lightly and then you just kind of use your wrist and go up and down so like um, normally when I'm picking it's like very flat and just yeah. like hitting hitting with the, uh, the flat part but if you I'd like the pick is yeah it just kind of slides back and forth on the side of it and then I um, think um, almost like you're chopping it perpendicularly yeah, yeah. kind of like it, chopping yeah, the string yeah that's a good way to do it and then but also but I mean there's different times for di different dynamics yeah. too like if I want to get like really really deep into it then I'll I'll dig more but I'd, I'd say um, all, all on the wrist you know I get the just the floating wrist and kind of like yeah. almost like you're flicking a match just yeah now how did you develop your great sense of groove? Is it just from playing? Did you? I mean, I always think it's great if, if students, are, if young players can actually play with other musicians and get that. I imagine you've done a bunch of that. Did you also do metronome training, or did you focus on it, or did it just evolve on its um, own? I think I think for me, um, I, I was a drummer. I've been drumming for about maybe twenty years now, so that was. Uh, I think that helped me the most. But I've always had a really, um, almost like a phobia of a click track which a lot of people have worked with have really um really hated that that i that can't like deal with it but it's i always make everybody else listen to it and then i, I play along because the, the click in my ear just it bothers me for some reason but the uh so sometimes i've i've been working on getting yeah. over it more lately but it's uh but for the most part i think it was just because I, I drummed for a long time and been uh i used, used to always play with guitar yeah. players and I'd, I'd be the beyond the kit so but, um I, I think I've, I've noticed more uh, more than I'm older now that that's uh, that I, I think that definitely helped me along the way a lot. Let's talk about your childhood real quickly here, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Are your parents musical? Um, yeah, my mom was a my mom was a singer in a um, in like a like a local band in Florida that like played around in all the clubs and stuff like that. Um, so when when uh, she was she was actually like pregnant with me like when she was in the band, so I was like. I was like, uh, before I was even born, I was I was in this band called Boomerang, just at, at like out till two in the morning, like singing Led Zeppelin. <laughs> you were you were in the lead singer at <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> and maybe she was playing cowbell or something, and it was just <laughs> rocking straight into you, and you were getting that. Oh, groove. she did do um, she did do the tambourine, and she like hit the tambourine on her yeah. leg and stuff. So yeah, she uh, she did that. Yeah, I think there's I, there's no way you couldn't hear that. Like if you're inside oh, totally. a body and someone's banging a tambourine on their leg, you can hear that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah and funny. I guess the guys. I th and your dad? Oh, he was um he was a trombonist. He played trombone and um and uh, piano. So he was just like he was into into those ones, and he uh, yeah yeah yeah. And then um, all my uncles too, like. Uh, one of my uncles was is a guitar player, and he he like made jingles and he played like country music. Then I had a, another uncle who was a uh, a cellist, and uh, so he was like in an orchestra. And then another one who was um, another one. I think he played violin and trumpet, but I, I never really heard him play much. I think he just learned him pull the trumpet once, but um, he did that. And then and my grandpa is a guitar player. He plays like a bunch of like country western kind of stuff. So when I, when I was a kid, I was always like trying to. I was always touching his guitar. I couldn't really play much yet, but it was I, I was always fascinated by it. And did you pretty much grow up in Florida? Uh, for the most part. Yeah, I was yeah. in Florida till till I was about maybe ten years old and then I moved moved around quite a few places. But uh, but I was here till I was about ten and then I lived in Virginia for a long time. Then I lived in Philadelphia for a long time. And uh, those were kind of kind of my three main spots. Like I'd go back and forth between the two because my parents ended up splitting, so I was like 
I'd be in Florida half the time. And then um, my dad lived in Virginia, but he worked in Philly. So, like, we'd go to Virginia for a little bit, then we'd be in Philly for a couple of weeks, and then kind of back and forth. But uh, when, I, when I was in Philly, it was cool. There was um, there's a, lot, there's a lot of jazz in Philly, you know, and a lot of live music. And then yeah. Florida's cool, too, just because there's, like, literally every kind of music. You got, um, like, I would go down the street, there's, like, a guy shredding on the trace playing Cuban music. I'll go around the corner, there's, like, a reggae band. Go around the other corner, there's a gypsy jazz band. Around the other corner, there's, like, ev- and everybody plays the Allman Brothers here. Like, everybody's, like, been in a... Oh, yeah, everybody everybody I know has been in a band with at least one of the members from the Allman Brothers or the or the, uh, <laughs> or the Betts guys, you know? They're just all... Uh, Do you play a little bit of that yourself? Um, not really. I mean, well, a friend of mine was made me, made me yeah. learn Melissa uh, not too long ago. Just a, just kind of yeah. the riff from it, but that, that was about it. But uh, I like the Allman Brothers, though. What's your favorite, like, rock song or rock standard to play? And could you play us a little sample or something? Um, rock song i like i've been yeah lately i've been doing that um smells like teen spirit a lot what oh yeah but i've been jazzing it up though can you show us how you how you do it yes please Thank you. 
something like that. <laughs> Fantastic. That is just great. And the, gosh, I never really thought of what it has a nice little, I mean, Kurt Cobain's so melodic, but that, it definitely has a nice little thing in there. Dun, 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 oh, absolutely. Dun. Makes great little octave thing. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Went, I was just saying, I went, I went through this like crazy Nirvana phase for, I think about a month this year. I was just listening to Kurt interviews and like Dave Grohl interviews and all, all their music for like good. I was just driving around Florida every day, just jamming on their, jamming on their stuff. So very, definitely very inspiring. Man, thank you so much for doing this today, Gustav. What's what's next for you, or what are you? What's your next aim or ambition, or next couple of years, a new album, uh, yeah, or I'm, touring? What I'm gonna go rent out a studio here in a little bit for like maybe three, four days, and just probably probably do like maybe two, three albums worth. I, I just started a um, I just started a, a new group called the Gustav Vimar Trio, and so I'm. Putting a lot of my focus like in, into that one right now. It's uh, got a really cool drummer and a, uh, a fantastic bass player as well. And so it's um, yeah, focusing on what are their names? Uh, the drummer is uh, Art Vice and the bass player is Jack Berry. And uh, yeah, both both cool. fantastic musicians. Uh, Art's Art's been in practically every band in history, and uh, Jack Berry is like, you know, it's funny. Um, he was like this bass player I've seen around town because he's played in like every literally every group. Uh, you know, because uh, when you're like getting a musician, you know, you just you, you do it all. And then um, I needed a sub for a bass player one time, and um, this drummer I played with, this other drummer, he was telling me he's like, dude, you gotta call Jack. He's like crazy at bebop. He's like the best jazz guy around. Like you, you've never heard anything like it. And I was like, what, Jack? No way. So then I, I looked him up, and I was just like, some of his like jazz videos, and I was blown away because I never heard him do any of that. And uh, and so then uh, we we did our debut performance. Um, uh, actually last Sunday and it was it was killer it was just such a good time and I'm, like really looking forward to working with with uh with them more well fantastic good luck with that keep us posted and um yeah it's just been wonderful to discover you I mean not that you know just, <laughs> that's a guitar a fan of guitar oh, music. Thanks, man. you're doing fine on your own but like uh yeah just to uh walk down the street and see a world-class guitar player that I'd never heard of before oh, thanks, man. throwing yeah. down I think Fuck yeah a lot of good stuff is coming your way. Uh, keep it alive to your 95. You want to play one last thing, Gustav? Send us off into the to the helicopter. Oh, sure. uh, what are you gonna play? Fly me to the moon. Sweet.
Sweet. Oh, thanks, man. No looper pedal needed right there. <laughs> hey, well, th th thanks again so much for having me. It's, uh, it's uh, always a pleasure. Whoa, the time is safe.